Thank you, kids, for being a wonderful part of our church and leading us in worship today. You know, Jesus said something to the disciples when they tried to get the kids to stop bugging him. You know what he said? He said, get out of their way and let them come. So we let them come. And we teach our kids that they have a valuable, valid place in the body of Christ. That they are loved by him and that they are loved by us. For some of us, moving in church is foreign. I apologize. Not because it's foreign, but because you were never given the freedom to do that. Also, we work on our clapping. I'm just saying. Listen, y'all. This... <laughs> it, it was that was it's okay it's okay Whew. if you can't have joy in church it's because we have forgotten who we're here for so it's okay to laugh it's okay to dance it's okay to have a little fun with one another we're family we're family i hope that you've been reading Remember, we're not going through the book of James in five Sundays, but five weeks. And you get to participate in the other six days of the week when you're not hearing from the Sunday morning sermon. So I hope that you've been taking a deeper dive into James 1 and 2, preparing for today. We'll be in James chapter 3 if you want to turn your scriptures there. This sermon, just about more than every other sermon, is the one I didn't want to preach. Do you know why? Because it's about taking control of your tongue. And I'm deeply convicted by this on a daily basis. How I speak, what I say, I'm not making eye contact with my family for a reason. Because they know that I'm convicted and should be convicted about this. It's not comfortable, is it? Start talking about how we talk. Not on Sunday mornings. Oh, hi. Oh, great to see you. I love you. It's great. Because we do that on Sundays, don't we? We play, every, oh, how you doing? How you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? We love you. Right? I'm deeply convicted by this. I forgot something. This stumped the pastor time. I was going launching right into the sermon. Eliza, where are you at? Oh my gosh. I'm come here. I'm I'm doing that. I took I the pastor do what I want. Come here. This is something called stump the pastor. We do this every week, uh, every time we have a family service. And these kids, she's been coming up for like a month. She has something in this bag I've never seen before, ever. My job is to look in the bag right now in front of you, come up with a spiritual application and teach our kiddos and you a spiritual truth from whatever's in the bag. Last hour was a box of paper clips. You weren't here, so I can't tell you what it was about, but I didn't get stumped. <laughs> Eliza here already has an application with her thing, so regardless of if I get it or not, I'm rooting for you, by the way. She's going to tell you what the application is, even if I don't. Does that sound like a plan? You ready? Okay, what's in there? Oh, you're going to have to give me about 30 minutes. (laughs) This is a fidget spinner. It's for people that lose focus to help them keep focused. See, a lot of times when we're following God, there's lots of things to distract us from the way that we're supposed to go, right? There's a lot of things that need to keep us on the same path, right? 
Jesus says that he gives us the spirit to teach us how to follow Jesus. Jesus is kind of like a, the spirit's like a fidget spinner in some sense, right? That he keeps us from the distractions, convicting us and challenging us to keep following Jesus so that we don't get off track. It was a great, great item. Well done. Now, good job. Do you want to tell them what your application was? No. Did I get close? Was that a good? No, I didn't get close. <laughs> Fair enough. Kind of. All right. Five me. I'm proud of you. Do you want to tell them? No. Oh, it could happen. Proud of you, kiddo. Thank you. Let's give it up for Eliza. Thank you very much. Now could we resume programming? Thank you for getting my attention, and thank you, Eliza, for picking an amazing item. Very well done. The idea is that everything in the world points back to Jesus. We can draw some spiritual truth, right? We are always being reminded of the good news of Jesus and what he does. But this particular sermon about taming the tongue is very difficult for me because in my life as a Christian, this is the thing that God has been sanctifying over and over and over and over again is my mouth. You guys know these things. If you don't have anything nice to say, good. How about this one? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... And then you grow up and realize that's a bold-faced lie. That's not even true. Sticks and stones will certainly break your bones, but words will crush your soul. That's what it should say. We don't teach our kids that one. Right? And it's good. We don't want them to get bogged down in words. But the reality is that you and I know that words carry weight, that words affect the lives of other people. In fact, you may have come today with the effect of words from somebody else. In fact, you may have come having affected somebody else today. And I want to be super clear. I'm not coming from a place of perfection in this area. I'm coming from a place of extraordinary failure. So let's learn together as we look into the spiritual mirror that James is for us. Remember, James is about becoming spiritually mature, being able to love God and love others, and by doing that, we do these things. I want you to think about your week. Let's take an assessment real quick, just so we're on the same page. Think about your week. Think about the words that you have spoken within your home. Think about the words that you have spoken to your children or to your, maybe in your workplace, right? To your peers, to your friends. Think about the words that you spoke when you were out with the guys, <gasps> right? Or when you were at the, the playground with the moms and with the kids. Think about the words that you have used driving down the freeway when nobody could hear you. See, that's where I get in trouble. And think about the words that have been spoken to you. Maybe you come and you've been built up, you've been encouraged. Maybe you have had people speak life into you. Maybe you sit here today joyful and encouraged because the words that have been spoken to you have been life-giving. Kids, teenagers, you're not off the hook. Think about the words you spoke this last week of school. How have you been talking to your teachers? Mm-hmm. How have you talked to your siblings? <laughs> Let me in! You jerk. 
It's my turn. I want the last piece of pizza. No. You can't have it. Ah! And they start fighting. I mean, think about the words, right? Some of us may come here wounded because the words that have been spoken to us have been in harshness. See, James has given us two chapters to remind us what it is to be a spiritually mature believer, right? To be patient in suffering, to do what it says and not just hear what it says, to not show favoritism, but to love people even if they're in need. And today we're going to learn about the power over our tongues. If you want to be a mature believer, we have to take control of our tongue. So, let's do a perfect check real quick. We'll read the first couple of verses and we'll do a perfect check. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Now, to those who want to be teachers, it says, listen, Don't just think that this is a place of prestige and platform because if you teach the word of God, you are bound to teach it as it says, not what you want it to say. And you are held to a higher standard and are accountable to teach what it actually says. If you want to know how to teach the Bible true, go teach some kids. Go teach students. They will hang on every word that you say, so what you teach has to be true. He says, you don't all need to try to be teachers. It's okay. But he says, teachers, though, will also say things wrong. If you have an expectation that I will never falter in my words on here, first of all, it's a poor expectation of you, and you'll be sorely disappointed, because I, as far as I know, I'm not perfect. And if you're not sure if I know I'm not perfect, ask a few people sitting over this direction. (laughs) They'll be glad to tell you. So let's do a perfect check. The person who can keep their tongue in check is a perfect person. Here we go. Ready? Here's the perfect check. The last three days, I'm only going to make you do three days. If we do a week, it's too easy. This, in the last three days, have you said anything in anger with bitterness in your heart? Have you gossiped? I ruined half the room right there. Anybody doing pretty perfect stuff? Maybe you are perfect in this. You haven't been harsh. Maybe, have you said anything harsh? Kids, have you told your parents no? They ruined all the kids. How about this? When's the last time you lied? Right, here's the deal. There is no one perfect if the standard is to tame and guard your tongue except one, and his name is Jesus. There's only been one man to be able to be a perfect person because he was able to say everything in love and in truth and with an effort to honor and glorify God. His name is Jesus. He goes on, he gives these great examples. Remember, James is trying to get us to understand that to be spiritually mature, it is to love God and love other people by doing these things, right? So here's what he says today. Don't presume And you better get a grip on your tongue. And he gives us some examples. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we turn the whole animal. Do you guys know what a bit is? Let me ride horses. It's a very small piece of metal that goes in the very back of their mouth, right? Parents are like, I got to get one of those. 
and the reins, a small child could sit on this giant animal and turn and make the animal go where it needs to go with this very small bit that goes in their mouth. He says the same way ships are these giant vessels blown by the wind. Right? His ships were not like the Queen Mary. He's talking, they're not ocean liners with smoke coming out. These are like sails and they're being blown by the wind. They're these huge ships. But the thing that turns these huge vessels are a very small rudder. Even today, if you go look at giant ships that are on the ocean, if they have a rudder in relation to the ship, they're very small. And yet it tells, takes the ship where it needs to go. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. Listen, this is why I love James. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I mean, it doesn't get more straightforward than that. He's saying your tongue, though such a small part of your body, it actually ruins your whole body and it actually can set the course of your whole life in the wrong direction. Think about this. When I was growing up, I said awful, hurtful, terrible things to my sister. Terrible things that caused insecurity and doubt about herself, made her feel less than she needed to feel. Like I tore her up and it wasn't until later, like years and years, she carried that because of what I said out of my mouth. And I love my sister, but that's not what I communicated and affected her. It set her course Think about words that have been spoken to you. And I don't mean to dig up things. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to clarify what this is and the, the weight of what we say. And what James is trying to say, if you want to be a person who is a Jesus follower and you want to know how to love God and others, this is the thing. He says, look, think about the words that have been spoken to you that caused you to feel or to know yourself, that affected the way you saw the world, it affected the way you saw people, it affected the way you saw God, it, it, it shaped the way that you actually make decisions in your life. I used to do stupid stuff because people called me a wimp. I was like, no, I'm not. I'll, whatever, go ahead, who's gonna do that? I'll stand there at something, you do it, no, you do it, and I'll push my way through, not because it was smart or because I was tough, but because I didn't want to hear the words anymore. It set my course. He's saying the tongue like a ship sets our whole lives on fire. Think about the relationships that have been broken in your life and my life because we said something before listening. He says, look, even all these animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You guys ever been to the circus? These, these elephants weigh tons, and they're doing like handstands, one foot. They're doing no stand. They're on their one foot. Upside down, they're doing twirls and trapeze acts. And like, they can be tamed, right? There was a, a tiger in somebody's house in Houston. You guys see that? Look, I'm all about taking your animals for a walk, but you got a Bengal tiger on a leash. I'm even worse, not on a leash. Right? But people tame animals. These, these crazy, amazing creatures that God has created. And yet, somehow, we can't get a grip on how we speak to one another. If you're wondering 
of a real world example of this. Look around. If you want to know how the tongue can be like a spark and set the world on fire, look around. Look around at the conflict. Look around at the things that are going on in the world, the things that you and I fight about. And by and large, it's because somebody said something before they listened. Think about the marriages. Today, you may have come in today. Why is Sunday morning the hardest day of the week? You know why? Because the devil's trying to keep us from hearing from him in order to, to tell, help make us mature believers in Christ. So what happens Sunday morning? You're getting fights about dumb stuff on Sunday morning. Who cares what kind of donuts you get? Who cares if they wear a blue shoe and a red shoe to church? Who cares if they look like a princess today? It doesn't matter. Why do we get in fights about these things? But we say things without thinking about it. How many times have you flippantly said something to somebody, forgetting that your words, they don't just break bones, they crush the spirit? Look around. There's power, right? Affect the lives of others. Verse 9 and 10. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the God's likeness. Listen. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. This passage is not about cussing. It is, but it's not just about cussing. This is about this is about the things that come out of our mouth, gossip, slander, lies, bitterness, envy, rage, lying. Think about it. We come to church, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, amen. God, you are so good. Oh God, I love you. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. I praise you, God, for how good you are. And then we go home on Sunday night and we get behind that dang computer and we start slandering and tearing each other up. He says, this shouldn't be. How can you look at somebody in the face who was made in God's likeness and curse them on Monday when you were just praising God on Sunday? And if you're wondering who's made in God's likeness, look at every single person that has breath in their lungs and look into their eyeballs because they're made in God's likeness. There are no qualifiers here. It doesn't say praise the Lord on Sunday, right, and then curse men who are made in God's likeness that look like you or that think like you or that agree with you or care about you. It doesn't say that. It says you should not out of the same mouth praise a holy, perfect God that gave you life in Jesus Christ and then go and curse somebody because you disagree with him. That's not how it works. He gave you life, and so we should speak life. This is not, to be clear, let me tell you something. This is not speak it and it will be. Otherwise, I'd be a billionaire living in the mountains right now in a big chalet on a lake somewhere. That's not how this deal works. This is not speak it and it will be. I'm talking about, because that's self-centered, and what we're talking about is God-centered. He goes on. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt 
spring produce fresh water. Let's hear what Jesus has to say. Because Jesus talks about this, this this double-sided mouth. He's talking to the Pharisees who basically tell him he's in, he's in cahoots with the devil, right? Talking about how a, heist, how a house divided against itself cannot stand. This is what he says. Whew, a house divided against itself cannot stand. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. So somebody says something, Talk is cheap, right? You recognize, oh, I'm a believer, but they cheat, lie, and steal on a regular basis and don't feel bad about it. You might want to check and see if that's actually true. He says, you brood of vipers. I love Jesus. He's a dumb, like, he's not trying to be nice. Jesus wasn't trying to be nice. He was telling him, you are a brood of vipers. How dare you come and fake it with me? He says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. Out of the overflow of the heart. Somebody said once, he said something harsh. He said, oh, that's not in me. I can't say stuff. He said, well, if it wasn't in you, it wouldn't have come out. Right? If you say you are not a person of bitterness, but you speak bitterness, you probably need to check your heart. Not that you're outside of God's forgiveness or healing, but the truth is, is how we speak is because something's in there. When I speak harshly to my family, which I hate and repent of on a regular basis, if I speak harshly, it's because it's in there. I can't fake it. If you tell me that you don't have anything against somebody, yet you speak against them, you have something against them. You can't fake that. He's saying what's stored up, Jesus, what's stored up in here is what we speak and you need to get a grip on that. James, he tells us, if you wanna be a mature follower of Jesus, take control of your tongue. And a lot of people, we, we know this, right? A lot of people, they, they say a lot of things. There's a lot of things being talked about, right? There's a lot of things to hear these days. There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of people talking, talk, talk, talk. Oh, no, this is how it is. No, this is how it is. No, it should be like this. No, you should do that. And we listen, right? And we listen to talk, talk. But, oh, they're so wise. Do it like they said. Well, you know, the scripture says this about wisdom. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. It's not the fear of people. It's not, it's not how you feel. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so James tells us, hey, if you hear people talking or you hear yourself talking, you think you're wise, let me give you just a quick list to figure out if you are wise or not. Are you speaking wisdom from yourself or you're speaking wisdom from heaven? Because what people say reveals a lot about what they believe and who they actually believe in. Here's what it says. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility. You can circle that in your Bible in big, just big circles and just keep circling it. 
humility. I don't know about you, but I feel like the words that are being spoken these days don't start there. There are a lot of things being said not in a heart of humility. Deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor, listen, if you harbor, if you hold on to, if you hide bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, if you got stuff in there, don't be like, yeah, I don't care. I got this stuff in me. doesn't matter. Or don't also hide it. Don't be like, no, no, it's not in there. I'm good. <laughs> like, just own it and work it out. Maybe talk less. Huh? If you got that stuff in there, maybe talk less. The Bible also says in Proverbs where James draws a lot of his wisdom, it says where words are many, sin is not absent. So if you talk a lot, I'm not saying all the words are sin. I'm just saying, it says somebody who's talking to try to convince you of their way all the time, you might want to check where their wisdom comes from. He goes on and says this. Such wisdom, in quotes, I like James. If he was talking, he'd be like, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But, see, where, where people talk and they're offering their things or they're saying things to you, if you want to know if they're wise or true, here's the list that you need to pay attention to. If they're selfish, if they're about that person, if they're about trying to be seen by everybody else and it's not about God, right? You need to check. Maybe it's not really from God. So here's what it says. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is wisdom that reflects our faith in Jesus Christ as the only savior of the world. Wisdom that comes from knowing God, the one who made us very specifically, who made everyone in his likeness, everyone in his likeness, everyone in his likeness, is first of all, what does it say? Pure and then peace-loving. Think about it. Peace-loving. The things in your life that you hear people saying, is it peace-loving considerate, submissive. Man, this sounds like the news outlets. This sounds like our social media to a T, huh? This sounds like our public discourse to me. And forgive my sarcasm, which is also ungodly, but I'm trying to prove a point. I told you I struggle with it. Do you hear what he's going, getting at? All the mess, all the noise that we hear, all the noise that we say, this is not about what they're doing, by the way. We're not teaching them, we're teaching us. And where this isn't you, you get a pass today. I'm not trying to put this on you if this isn't you. Submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. When's the last time you had a sincere conversation with somebody? Teenagers, when have you had a sincere conversation with anybody? And I don't mean that. That's not against you. I'm just saying, like, wisdom that comes from heaven, you have the ability to speak with this type of wisdom, too. Sincere, submissive, full of mercy, 
Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. A harvest of righteousness. Almost done. You can't say that you are speaking with wisdom if it is about you, if you are harboring bitterness and envy and rage and strife in your heart. It doesn't work. You, you don't get fresh water from a salt spring or salt water from a fresh spring. A fig tree is not gonna magically produce oranges. It's not how it works. There was a, uh, a friend of mine when I first um, moved to a place I won't name. And she was very witty and sarcastic and there came a point where that was the entire level of our friendship. It was about this deep. It was funny, we thought. But what ended up happening is it started to wound. And we both at the same time had been uh, reading some scripture and, and she said, hey, I've been convicted. I said, oh, about what? And I said, funny thing, me too. And it had to do with how we used our words. And there's a scripture, Ephesians 4.29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And we said, let's make an agreement. Let's not say anything. Let's, let's not converse if we can't build one another up, if we can't say something nice according to the other's needs. So we didn't talk for three weeks. And it'd be funny if it wasn't a joke, but it's true. Like we didn't talk very much because it was this learning about what comes out of us and why it's coming out of us. And you're like, Johnny, sarcasm's funny to the person who says it. Quick-witted, which is fine, as long as there's not a target. Most of the time, we do those things with a target. And almost every time, we hit that target and we wound I don't know how many wives love a harsh tone. I don't know how many women love a harsh tone. I don't know how many men love disrespectful whatever comments. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who likes to be spoken to in a way that makes them feel less valuable than somebody else. I don't know a one person that that's true for. Think about Peter at Pentecost. You know what he spoke? Life. Truth about Jesus. Called people to repentance. He used his words to glorify God and to build others up. Jesus. Go look at all the words of Jesus. Pick any red letters. Do you know what it was? He glorified God and he built others up. Even the Pharisees, who we call the brood of vipers, whom he died for. Exactly. And I don't know if you've ever seen the deconstruction of a person, but I have seen kids. I've seen teenagers who start joyful and who have heard things spoken to them and about them that have caused them to become a shell of who they used to be. And it was all because of words. I've watched young women falsely believe that they are unworthy or unlovable because some stupid, arrogant man spoke death into their life and caused them to believe that they weren't worthy. And I have seen young men 
who were confident and capable turn into weak, reckless sideshows because somebody spoke death into their life. So I need you to hear me. Before you leave today, my hope is this, that we can replace some of those things that have wounded and harmed and hurt with truth and life. I want you to practice today these words. I said 10, but I found out last hour that they're more than 10. So I'm just gonna tell you these, they're familiar, but I want you to practice them starting now. And I will say now, I will tell you this. I will repent today and ask God for forgiveness for careless words spoken to my family, to my kids, my wife, to some of you. And I will do it every single day until Jesus comes back. Here's what it says. These are the words I want you to practice. Please and thank you. Everywhere that you go, please and thank you. What you do is you exercise consideration and appreciation for other people. It builds them up. It, it, it takes care of their needs. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're at home or at the grocery store, say please and thank you. In your emails and online, please and thank you. Second words, I'm sorry. Do you guys know these ones? Let's do it together. I'm sorry. Now the rest of you, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it takes a while to get them out, right? This is a tough, right? I know. Some of you are pros at this. And you know the value of these two words, I'm sorry. Don't just say them to the adults in your life. Say them to your children when you're wrong. When you speak a word that is not words of life, say I'm sorry and mean it. We begin healing and reconciling and restoring one another's relationships. It will take time, so be patient. I love you. I love you. Most of the time, the kids are like, oh my gosh, it's so gross. You don't love everybody. It's not romantic. I'm not talking about that. When you say I love you, what you're doing is you're, con you're expressing care and compassion, devotion, trust, sacrifice for the people that you tell them, I love you. I love you. Look at somebody and tell them, I love you. It's not weird. Jesus does this all the time. To those who've been wounded by people who've said you aren't worthy, he loves you. I love you. Practice it, say it. Over and over and over again and mean it. Pastor, you have to say that. No, I don't. And neither did he. He didn't have to say it. And he didn't have to do it. Last two words I want you to practice. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord, I will go to these people because you asked me. No, I don't want to, but I will because you love me. Yes, Lord, I will stop doing those things. Yes, Lord, I will love this difficult person. Yes, Lord, I will sacrifice my comfort for your will. Yes, Lord, I will worship you with my mouth and build people up with the same mouth. Yes, Lord, I will say I'm sorry. Yes, Lord, I will say please and thank you. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I'm sorry, yes, Lord. See, because a life of obedience is what we're going for, not a life of morality. Kids, students, I know I say this a lot. I'm gonna keep telling you till you believe me. Your goal is not to be a good person. You'll never be good enough. It's okay. Be an obedient follower of Jesus who puts into practice the words in this book. That's the goal. So that you can know God, understand his love, and build others up in the same way. And the reason we do it, it's not because we deserve it. But according to our needs, God loved us first. He spoke into our life forgiveness and mercy and grace and healing and hope for a future and eternity with him through Jesus. He did that not because he needed it, because we needed it. He's already perfect and holy. He's already up there with himself. He wants us too. What if our words were as calculated as Jesus's? What if they were as meaningful and full of life to those we spoke to, to our children? What would our children look like in 10 years if the words that we used were meant to build up and give life? What would our marriages look like if our words were calculated and meaningful and they were used for good and to build others up according to their needs that it would benefit them who listen? What in the dang world would our world look like if we could get a grip on this thing that we have in our mouths. This week, this afternoon, please and thank you. I'm sorry. I love you. And yes, Lord, if we put those into practice, I wonder how it would be as we walk as spiritually mature men and women who are following Jesus. If it can set the course of your kid's life, your spouse's life, your boss's life, your peer's life, teenagers, I wonder what you would joke about in the locker room then. I wonder what you would say in your house in the mornings or in the afternoons when you look at your family and say, I love you, I love you and I'm sorry. Let's be a people who sets the standard of this. Let's be a people that when they say, man, the people who really build me up, I have found is my church family. Every time I'm around those people, all I do is I feel encouraged and I feel like I want to follow Jesus more and I feel like I'm alive and I feel like I'm worthy and I feel like I have a purpose and a hope. What if people said that about us? Who cares about, I don't care about anybody else, but just us. What if they said that about us? I bet it'd be pretty crazy. I bet it'd be pretty good. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you how convicting it is. And I'm sorry that I fail in this. God, I'm sorry. And I do love you. And we as a people, Father, would have to confess our sin, the sin of an out of control tongue. We lay it down before you. We repent of that wrongdoing and ask that you would help us to do it better today. 
not because we can on our own, but because you love us and have given us your spirit to do so, because you are powerful and you want us to be more like Jesus. Help us to put this into practice, God. We need your help. We're gonna finish our service like we always do, with prayer. Those of you who are gonna come and help with prayer, if you'd please make your way forward. I'm gonna ask everybody else to stand to your feet as we sing together this song and If you need prayer, you'd like to pray for someone or you just need somebody to just listen, just, this is the time to pray. This is the time to meet with God and to hear his voice as we sing together. As we sing here, take the opportunity uh, to pray.